You may know the story of Corey Ten Boom. Uh, you, you may not. You can read her story in her book uh, called The Hiding Place. But Corey Ten Boom and her family, uh, they lived in the Netherlands during World War II. And as the Nazis were coming in, her family, they were, they were devout Christians, and their faith informed how they viewed their Jewish neighbors. And they wanted to protect their Jewish neighbors, so they, they began to hide them in, in their home. And that went on for some time until uh, someone, uh, someone ratted them out. And, and they were arrested uh, during World War II. And Corey and her sister, Betsy, they were taken as prisoners to a concentration camp north of, of Berlin. And when they entered the, the barracks, there was a series of, of massive platforms and they were stacked three levels high and they were so close together that you had to walk single file down the rows. And on those platforms was just rancid hay that was used as the bedding. This was a communal um, living space for, for the women who were, who were prisoners there. And, and Corey and Betsy found that they couldn't, they couldn't even sit upright before they hit their head on the, the slats above them. And um, in, in her own words, this, this is Corey's words about that first experience when they went into the, the barracks in their concentration camp that they were in. She said, we lay back struggling against the nausea that swept over us from the reeking straw. Suddenly I sat up, striking my head on the cross slats above. Something had pinched my legs. Fleas, I cried. Betsy, this place is swarming with them here. And here's another one, I wailed. Betsy, how can we live in such a place? Show us, show us how, Betsy said. It was so matter-of-factly that it took me a second to realize that she was praying. More and more, the, the, dis, the distinction between prayer and the rest of life seemed to be vanishing for Betsy. Corey, she said excitedly, he's given us the answer. Before we, uh, before we, asked, as he always does, in the Bible this morning. Where, where was it? Read that part again. I glanced down the long, dim aisle to make sure no guard was in sight, then drew the Bible from its pouch. It was in First Thessalonians, I said. In the feeble light, I turned the pages. Here it is. Comfort the frightened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to all. It seemed written expressively, for them in the concentration camp. Go on, said Betsy. That wasn't all. Oh, yes. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's it, Corey. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now to thank God every single thing about this new barracks. I stared at her, then around me at the dark, foul-aired room. Such as, I said, such as being assigned here together. I bit my lip. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus. Such as what we're holding in your hands. I looked down at the Bible. Yes, thank you, dear Lord, that there was no inspection when we entered here. And thank you for all these women here in this room who will meet you in these pages. Yes, said Betsy. Thank you for the very crowding here. Since we're packed so close, the mo many more will hear. She looked at me expectantly. Corey, she prodded. Oh, all right, thank you for the jam, cram stuff, packed suffocating crowds. Thank you, Betsy went on. For the fleas and for, the fleas, this was too much. Betsy, there's no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. Give thanks in all circumstances, she quoted. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are part of this place where God has put us. And so we stood between tiers of bunks and gave thanks for fleas. But this time, I was sure Betsy was wrong.
Today we're taking a tangent from our, our normal teaching series, if you haven't guessed all, already. Uh, and, and this week is Thanksgiving. And for many of us, this week is going to look different than Thanksgiving has looked in the past. And our family tradition is to, to open our home and to have a large Friendsgiving. We've lived in Colorado for 13 years, and we've not had family nearby for most of that. And so we just decided to, to open our home. And so most Thanksgiving, our table is full. We've got friends here. Sometimes we have 15 people here. Sometimes we have 35. Like it is a party at the Culver's house. And, and it's something we look forward to. We, we enjoy hosting and hospitality and, and, and stories around the table. But 2020, right? This, it's just not, it's not the same. It doesn't, it doesn't look the same. It doesn't feel the same. And um, now you may or, or may not be spending Thanksgiving with loved ones. I know many people have chosen not to uh, for the sake of, of safety and uh, the num- number of, of COVID cases is rising again. And, but either way, I'm, I'm sure that many of us are struggling with giving thanks this holiday season. I mean, just this week it's announced we're entering into another period of lockdown and uh, and I am like just grieving this week, what we've lost in 2020. And I'm grieving the things that we're still going to lose this year. And it, it's painful, and, but it's supposed to be a time for us to give thanks. So how should we as Jesus followers, what's our disposition? How do we respond? How do we give thanks in 2020? And I, I think it's the same way that Corey and Betsy and that concentration camp 80 years ago, the same instructions, the same word of God that spoke to them speaks to us. So 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What is, what is God's will for my life? Well, right here, at least a portion of it is rejoicing, praying, giving thanks. No problem, right? Like I can do that most of the time. The the issue here and the struggle for me is that it says in all circumstances. Like that, that's, that's tough. And, and as I was getting ready this week, I was like, well, maybe what if we looked at a different translation? Like sometimes the English translation, like sometimes they, you know, maybe emphasize something. And so what about some of the other translations? No luck. No luck. The King James Version says, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. The message, which is a modern paraphrase of scripture, says, be cheerful. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. So instead of getting uh, a free pass and looking to other translations, it actually gets worse. Like there is, there is no escaping. Uh, like there's no wiggle room here. These aren't suggestions. These are imperatives from the apostle Paul. And what is God's will for us? That we rejoice, that we pray, that we give thanks. When? In all circumstances. Like there, there is no, there's no way around that. And, and this is not a sermon on God's will, but I know many of us, we struggle with finding God's will. Like, should I do this or should I do that? Well, I can tell you 100% that God's will is that you rejoice always, that you pray continually, that you um, give thanks. Uh, John Wesley was a a great Christian leader in the 1700s. He was the founder of the Methodist movement. And he described this passage in Thessalonians as Christian perfection. 
Christian perfection. This is, this is what he said. He said, thanksgiving is inseparable from true prayer. It is almost essentially connected with it. He that always prays is ever giving praise, whether in ease or pain, both for prosperity and for the greatest adversity. He blesses God for all things. Give thanks in all circumstances. And now there's a subtle distinction here I want you to, to, to be aware of and to make note of is that the command here is to give God thanks in all circumstances. It, it doesn't say in this passage to give thanks for all circumstances, like for the, the tragedy itself, because there's, there's a, a difference between giving thanks for something and giving thanks in something. Because it, it might be impossible, like when you are faced with that, that dark moment with that tragedy, to that moment say, thank you God for this tragedy. But it is not impossible for us as believers that as we're facing that tragedy to give thanks to God. I don't, it's, I don't know if you're catching that distinction there. So I'm not, I'm not thanking God necessarily for the, the tragedy, but I can thank God in my tragedy, despite what's going on. In, in other words, be, becoming grateful does not mean that we deny what's happening. Does not mean that we overlook reality. Uh, it's not a denial of the, the difficulties that we face. And I mean, just think of some of the difficulties that you walk through. Maybe the difficulties that you've walked through this year that you're currently walking through. Maybe it's a, a loss of a dream, a loss of, of some life pursuit. Maybe there was an open door for you at this incredible job opportunity. It seemed like everything was lining up and then the door slammed, not going through it. Maybe that's a, a child-parent relationship that just seems broken beyond repair, an unexpected death, and even an expected death. Gratitude isn't blind to pain. Gratitude is not blind to pain. It recognizes the dark corners of our lives. And it also, what gratitude allows us to do is to see the beauty in spite of the pain, to see the joy, the goodness, the truth that is, is overlooked. And in fact, gratitude, it opens our eyes to a more expansive view of reality. Um, and so I'm, I'm not talking about like just being eternally optimistic, like some people are optimistic, some are pessimistic, some are glass half full, some are glass half empty. So I'm not saying that gratitude helps you see the, the glass half full. What gratitude helps you say is, no, that, that glass is empty. Thank you, God, for the glass. Right? That, that's the difference where we, we face reality head on and we still, we thank God in, in the midst of what we're going through. And so without gratitude, we live in a very short-sighted view of the world. Without gratitude, all we see is pain. All we see is hurt. All we see is the trauma without gratitude. And so gratitude is like putting on a pair of long needed glasses. Like, oh, now I, now I can see. Uh, I love watching videos. Uh, every once in a while, they come across the social media feed or they become a viral video of like the, the, the baby or the toddler who puts on glasses for the first time. Uh, or, and in particular, maybe a baby or, or a, a toddler who has very poor eyesight. And like you see the, the, the parent put on the, the glasses and the child just, the eyes get big. Because for the first time they're seen. And they, they look around and everything's coming into focus. And then they, they see a stranger. 
And then they hear the voice and it's not a stranger, it's mom. And they, they, their eyes get big and they begin to smile and laugh. And, and gratitude is, is like that. That is what giving thanks will do for you. You get a new perspective on life. You begin to see things differently. You begin to see more than just the, the tragedy and the pain. And, and through the lens of gratitude, you can better recognize the good. You can better see how God has blessed you. You can better see God's gifts to you. And so for the, the Jesus follower, we are called to practice this, what I want to call this upside down gratitude. Upside down gratitude. Upside down gratitude is the ability to give thanks even in the midst of sadness and struggle and, and pain. Upside down. Uh, a couple months ago, I briefly shared the story of Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry lived in the 1600s. He was a Jesus follower. He was a Bible scholar, Bible teacher, and he lived just a tragic life. Like tragedy after tragedy. His, his young bride got sick and passed away. His infant child got sick, passed away, got married again. Several other children passed away before reaching adulthood. And it was just sadness after sadness. And then one time he recounts that someone came up to him and, and stole his wallet and stole from him. And this was his, his response. He said, I am thankful that he never robbed me before. I am thankful that although he took my wallet, he did not take my life. Although he took all I had, it was not much. And I am glad it was I who was robbed, not I who was doing the robbing. That is upside down gratitude. That is, is not saying, thank you, God, that I was robbed, but thank you for all these other things. Thank you. In the midst of what he was going through, he was able to thank God. He was able to put on those glasses of gratitude and, and see a bigger picture. Give thanks in all circumstances. And maybe, maybe you're not ready to give thanks for, for being robbed. But what if we started with some small things this week? What if, you know, the next time somebody, somebody cuts you off, or maybe they didn't cut you off, but they're driving <sighs> below the speed limit. Oh, that gets me. And instead of your, your normal phrase that you shout out, whatever it might be, maybe you shout out, thank you, God, that I've got a car. Thank you, God, that I've got gas in my car. Thank you, God, that, that I've got some place to be. I've got some place to go. Thank you, God, for teaching me patience. So it's in, the, in those little things, or maybe, maybe I don't know if this ever happens in, in your, your home, uh, but let's say a, a child reaches up to the top of the refrigerator where your homemade granola is stored, and, and they, they jump up to, to grab the container of homemade granola, and when they're coming down, it slips out of their hands, and it hits the floor, and instead of just stopping right there and making one mess, somehow it then bounces over another couple feet, and then proceeds to go down the stairs. And every step down the stairs, more granola comes out. Until finally, there is in fact, granola on the floor of the basement. Now, that's just a hypothetical. <laughs> uh, now, in, instead of the normal parental response of, maybe again, it's that, ah, like we just, we catch ourselves. We say, thank you, God, that you have blessed me with children. <laughs> like, thank you, God, that one day they're going to move out of the house. Uh, thank you, God, that, that I have a house in which the granola can get on the floor and a house in which there is a basement. 
a house in which I can make some more granola. So like we begin to give thanks in those moments where it's <sighs> overreact and not be grateful. But if we can put on those glasses, if we can have that upside down gratitude, you know, sometimes the preacher doth preach to himself. And as maybe I'm just preaching to myself this morning, it, it is so much easier to just complain. It is so much easier to gripe. Like that, that costs you nothing. And, and to complain and gripe about life, that is, that is so bland. That is so unremarkable. That is so simple. That is so normal. There is nothing upside down about complaining and griping. But having gratitude in, in the midst of in the struggle, looking it in the face and saying, thank you, God, for all these other things. So remember, Corey and Betsy in the barracks, at the concentration camp, they're giving, giving thanks for the fleas and um, Several weeks went, went past and they began holding secret times of, of prayer and scripture reading in, in the barracks with, with the Bible they, they had smuggled in. And Corey wrote that, and this was her words, that at first, Betsy and I called these meetings with great timidity. But as night after night went by and no guard ever came near us, we grew bolder. So many now wanted to, to join us that we held a second service after evening roll call. I mean, can you imagine that? They had to go to two services. Guards were everywhere. They were under constant surveillance. Yet in that large dormitory, there was almost no supervision at all. And they didn't understand it. And then Corey tells um, in, in the book the story that she returned to the barracks one night and saw a twinkle in Betsy's eye. And, and she says, Corey said, you're looking extraordinarily pleased with yourself. And Betsy replied, you know, we've never understood why we had so much freedom in the big room. Well, I've found out. That afternoon, she said that she'd, uh, there'd been some confusion in their knitting group about the sock sizes, and they'd asked the supervisor to come and settle it. But the supervisor wouldn't come. She wouldn't step through the door, and neither would the guards. And you know why, Betsy said. And Betsy could not keep the triumph from her voice. Because of the fleas. That's what she said. The guard said that place is crawling with fleas, and she wouldn't go in. And my mind rushed back to our first hour in this place. I remembered Betsy's bowed head, remembered her thanks to God for creatures I could see no use for. Even in the midst of humanity at its worst, we can thank God for his goodness. I mean, without the fleas, the guards would have been in there. They would have broke up the group. They, they may have confiscated the Bible. They may have meted out uh, punishment for that. But in God's sovereignty, the fleas were the cause of the guards never coming there without the fleas. And so this Thanksgiving, how can we practice upside down gratitude? How can we practice upside down gratitude when, when our, our table may be empty? We may not be around friends and, and family. How can we practice gratitude when 2020 has been horrible? The example and the object of our thanksgiving is found in Christ. Both the object and the example are found in Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, 
When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus gave thanks for the bread. Now remember that the bread is a symbol of his broken body. Jesus knew what was coming and he gave thanks. Jesus knew the suffering that he was about to endure and he gave thanks. Jesus knew that he was about to die a criminal's death, a shameful death on the cross and he gave thanks. Jesus is our example, but not only that, he's not just our example. And if he is the object, he is the object of our thanksgiving. And for those of us who have put our hope in Christ, we always have at least one reason to give thanks. For those of us who have put our hope in Christ, we always have at least one reason to give thanks. We are never without reason. We can always say, thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, that I have been forgiven because of your atoning sacrifice for my sins. No matter what's going on, no matter what's happening around us, no matter this year has been really hard, thank you, Jesus, that you are not a God who is far off. I can't, I can't find a job. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a God who hears my prayers. You are a God who comes near. Man, our country, it's divided. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. COVID cases are on the rise. Kids are falling behind in school. People are losing their livelihoods through the shutdowns. The glass is empty. And we can say, Jesus, even when I can't feel your presence, I know that you are with me. You have promised never to leave me, never to forsake me. I know that your ear is not deaf, that your arm is not short. Jesus, that you are with me even in the storm. Jesus, you are with me. So we are never without at least one reason to say thank you, Jesus.